0: asked this question before on this podcast, but what does a 72-year-old woman look like? What is she capable of? What are her limitations? Many of us have preconceived notions of what a 72-year-old could or could not do. When we conjure up images of 72-year-olds, we might think of a bespeckled grandmotherly woman in a rocking chair with her knitting on her lap. Certainly, we wouldn't imagine this woman fighting, I mean, like, really, actually, physically fighting another person, would we? Hello, and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutritionist, and I'm passionate about educating and inspiring you to become the strongest, healthiest version of yourself. My guest this week is Elaine Byersdorfer. Elaine is a 72-year-old grandmother of seven who regularly practices and competes in judoing jiu-jitsu. She's 4'11 and weighs in at just over 100 pounds, and to call her spunky would fall woefully short. Elaine grew up as a tomboy, and her lifelong passion was, and is, horses. I learned to ride when I was
1: about two years old. My dad took, put me on a horse with him and I rode with him till I was about four and then they put me on my own horse and that and then on I was horse crazy but I didn't get my own horse till I was 30 years old. We actually moved out on a farm because my daughters both had horses and I had a horse and it was expensive boarding them so we decided we'd just move out on a farm and bring our horses with us and we've been on a farm with horses ever since. I'm a trail rider and you know, we'll go out for three, four, five hours at a time, sometimes all day, pack a lunch. You know, I travel with my horse around the southeastern United States and sleep in the camper on the trailer and just ride, ride trails around the, around the country. It's fun. I've done some competitive trail riding, which is more or less riding four or five hours in one day and then turning around and riding four or five hours the next. With a stop in between to do whatever the judges happen to want you and your horse to do, but my horse is really too big for that. It's hard to cool him off on those rides, so I haven't done any competitive trail riding in in a few years.
0: Okay, gotcha. What kind of horses do you have?
1: I have a Missouri Fox Trotter myself. I put him on Instagram. He's a big old boy, sixteen hands. I'm four foot eleven, so hard getting a seven.
0: That <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that's that's a lot of horse. And it sounds like you've, you've been around horses all your life. You're passionate about horses. So I think it's fair to say that that's anybody who's been around horses and done a lot of riding would be able to relate to the fact that that's that will keep you conditioned and in shape. Is that fair?
1: Oh, absolutely. And by the time you muck stalls and throw hay and fill water buckets and just do the things you have to do for a horse, even before you get on the horse is really that's a lot of work
0: okay so elaine has been around horses and working on a farm most of her life and that certainly will keep you in shape farm fit if you will but i'm sure you like me are wondering just where in the heck jujitsu fits into this picture
1: actually judah okay when my husband graduate school. I took a judo course down in South Alabama and I I really liked it. But when I got to Birmingham, they didn't teach it around here. And I didn't find a gym who did teach it till I was 69 years old. So I called the gym and said, you take old people. And they went, how old? I said, I'm 69. So they let me come to judo class, scared the professor to death. But I stuck with it and he finally said, why don't you try jujitsu, which was on the next mat, and he taught both classes, both judo and jiu-jitsu. So I do judo one day and I turn around and do jiu-jitsu, you know, the next. And I really, I really like jiu-jitsu, but I'm, I'm taking both of them right now still. I take a little judo It helps with the takedowns in jiu-jitsu.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it does. So let's let's back up and pick that apart just a little bit. You mentioned that when your husband was in graduate school, I believe you said that you took a judo class. Well, first of all, how old were you then?
1: Maybe twenty-one.
0: Okay, so still pretty young. What on earth inspired you to take a judo class?
1: Oh, I was bored. <laughs> okay. Was days and nights at the at the college, one of his friends said, "You know that looks interesting," and I went, "Well, I'll go with you." So I don't—I actually can't tell you why I started that, but it sure was fun. Mm-hmm.
0: So at 21 years of age, Elaine takes a judo class with a friend, almost on a lark, because it sounded fun. But it will be nearly 50 years before she takes up martial arts again at age 69. I asked her why, why at age 69, she decided that she wanted to get back into martial arts. You
1: know, I, I worked for an animal rescue, and we were at PetSmart doing an event, and somebody walked in in a geek. And I said, do you do martial arts? And she said, I do jiu-jitsu. And I said, well, I like judo myself because that's the only thing I've ever taken. And she said, well, they teach judo also. And I, my ears just went, really? So I just, I don't know. I called the gym and asked if I could come. All
0: right. So you called the gym. And I guess you said, like you said earlier, do you take old people? And maybe after a pause, when you told them how old, they said, sure, come on in, right? <laughs> yeah. And is it? Safe to say you're the oldest person in your gym? Yes, by far. What kind of reception did you get when you walked in?
1: In judo class, I I was surrounded by either teenage boys that were 13 and 14 or guys that looked like they played for the NFL. I was the only girl, and certainly by 40 years, the oldest. So I didn't exactly know how this class was going to go, but I didn't want them to think I was a wuss, so I hung in, even though it was really hard. The warm-ups were really hard. They don't get a whole lot easier, quite frankly.
0: <laughs> no, I, I would I would imagine not. All right. So you go in and what is your headspace like when you're in there? Is, are you intimidated? Are you nervous? Or do you are you just in there and saying, Okay, throw it at me. What have you got?
1: That's pretty much what I did. I am not a nervous person. I didn't feel intimidated. I was ready to go and go and do it and uh, the teenage boys especially were really nice uh, and they've become good friends over the years because they do jujitsu also so they've been been great i mean now the professor kept saying don't throw her and i'm going i'll be fine but it took him a week or two before he finally said well you can throw her but you have to throw her easy (laughs) he didn't want anybody slamming me on a mat judo's you know it's a rough sport
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, no, it most certainly is. And what was your conditioning like at age sixty-nine as you're walking into this? Are you would you consider yourself to to be in shape?
1: I thought I was till I started that warm-up and they ran around and round and round and I went, whoa, well, no, I'm not." That was I was panting pretty hard during those classes. I really was. But hey, after three years, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs>
0: And for our listeners that aren't familiar with judo and jujitsu, let's start with you had mentioned the warm-ups and the conditioning piece. What does that look like? What types of things are you doing? You mentioned running around, but what would be involved in that warm-up conditioning type work you were just talking about?
1: Well, my jiu-jitsu professor at the moment normally runs us four, five, six minutes round and round and round that gym until we're exhausted. And then we stop and do 40 uh Jumping jacks, forty squats, 20 push-ups. Then we're on our back doing all those crunches, 80,000 crunches they do. And that's before they even start the class. (laughs) And then they end the class, you're rolling with somebody, and then you're really tired.
0: Okay, so... And you said something that I I want to kind of make sure that we define here. You mentioned rolling. So to be sure, not everybody listening to this podcast is going to be aware of what judo or jujitsu is. Why don't you just at a very high level, tell us what those two things are. And then maybe we'll kind of talk a little bit about what rolling is.
1: Okay. In judo, you're mostly standing up and your goal is to, to throw your opponent on his back. Once he's down, it's over. It can take two minutes. Or two seconds. If you can throw in fast enough, you're done. In jiu-jitsu, it's more wrestling. You're going to get them on the ground, and then you're going to wrestle for the, however long, the, it is, unless he arm bars you, chokes you, or squishes you in the mat, and you tap, and you say, I'm done. But those are the, <laughs> the two different ones.
0: Okay. And you're doing both now. Is that is that correct? Still currently? I am. Yes, That's fantastic. And you had mentioned when you tap and so that's a submissive move, right? So with, right. if you're in a position where you feel like you can't get out or you feel pain or injury is imminent, you just tap and your opponent releases and that's how that match ends, right?
1: And you don't tap if you can't get out. You tap if they're fixing to break your arm or they've choked off your air and you can't breathe. Or they've done a blood choke and you're fixing to pass out. That You would tap for any of those.
0: Hold up. I just want to make sure we're all paying attention here. Did a 72-year-old woman just inform us that you don't tap out unless you're fixing to break your arm, or if your opponent gets you in a blood choke? I don't know about you, but I was unfamiliar with the term blood choke, so I had to look it up. And here's what Wikipedia has to say. Blood chokes, also known as carotid restraints or sleeper holds, are a form of strangulation that compresses one or both carotid arteries and/or the jugular veins without compressing the airway, hence causing cerebral ischemia and a temporary hypoxic condition in the brain. A well-applied chokehold may lead to unconsciousness in 10 to 20 seconds. Injury or death is plausible if the arteries remain constricted for more than 20 seconds compared to strangulation with the hands, a properly applied blood choke requires little physical strength. Okay, so Elaine has gone a long way from her early days in the gym with her professor telling the other students not to throw her, now to competitions where a blood choke is a distinct possibility. I asked Elaine to elaborate on what is and isn't fair game in jiu-jitsu. I couldn't tell you all
1: the you know, in actual competitions, there are certain things you can't do because they don't want you to tweak somebody's knee by pushing them the wrong way or something of that nature. But, I mean, I was in a match where they stopped it because I busted my lip and there was blood all over my face and hands. And they stopped it to wipe me off. But then we started back, you know. So I also have had one match stop. The referee stopped it because he said the girl was fixing to break my arm and I'm too hard headed to tap. So he stopped the match because I, I wouldn't tap, which is just, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got ripped off, right? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We're getting a picture here of you as a pretty spunky person. (laughs) Is that fair?
1: Yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) Okay. You're 72 years old. You're a woman and you're, for all intents and purposes, you're fighting, you're wrestling people. Talk to us about that. What What is the drive that, that makes you want to do that?
1: Wow. That's a hard one, but I've always liked a challenge. I ride the horses often that other people might not want to get on. And I really like the fighting. I had two older brothers. We did a r- lot of wrestling around when I was a little girl. And it appeals to me. You know, to pit myself physically against someone else, and I'll I'll fight anybody that's in the gym that wants to. I'm I'm good for
0: it. You certainly will. So I I found you on Instagram. You have a great Instagram account. You're Jiu Jitsu Grandma on Instagram, and I'll drop that in the show notes for so people can look you up there. But most of your posts are you actually rolling or wrestling, fighting, however you want to call that, with opponents, and some of them are huge, and some are male, some are female. So. Talk a little bit about that because I believe that both judo and jujitsu would be weight class sports, right? But in your class, how are you typically matched up and wrestling?
1: If I'm in a competition with jujitsu, my master seven class is 61 years and older. So more than likely I'm going to be with somebody at least 10 years younger than me. And normally I've only wrestled somebody my size one time. they usually either outweigh me or I 've gone down to master six or five, which would be fifty fifty year old you know fifty year olds or, or maybe even high forties. Hard to hang with younger girls. it is, but i 'm not afraid to do it i 'll step on the mat with anybody. It may not last long, but i 'm going to give it a good shot. <laughs>
0: I absolutely love Elaine's attitude. Earlier in the episode, I referred to her as spunky. But I'm not sure that word does her justice. I asked Elaine about her competition accomplishments.
1: I'm not sure there are too many accomplishments, but I went to Master Worlds the first time. I had just gotten my blue belt. I won one, I lost one, and I tied two. So I was happy with with that. That's the only match I've ever won. (laughs) After that, I've been fighting pretty much younger girls or bigger girls, and if I can hang on the full five minutes, I'm happy. Sometimes I just can't. But you know, I feel like I win if I step on that match, face somebody, I've already won the match because I got the guts to do it. You know, what I'm 100% saying?
0: that is beautifully spoken. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yes, you have already won the second you step on that mat. So speaking of that, that kind of brings me to my next topic, which is mindset. Talk to us a little bit. About, I mean, I think we get an idea of your personality is coming through here. But talk to us about the mental side of jujitsu and and just martial martial arts in general.
1: You know, I I really like the fighting. I'm not a, afraid of people. I never go into a fight being afraid or or get afraid, regardless of what happens. But personality-wise, I'm a very easygoing person, very easygoing. Up until I start. You know, fighting somebody, <laughs> then I'm all in. But you know, you you do have to have a certain mindset and like that physical fighting and people up close and personal. You know, there's no social distancing, and you get to it's uh, you're up up close with with everybody. So most of my friends would not do that. They just they don't want that kind of physical work
0: i think I think you're right, I think probably I think a lot of a lot of your peers probably would not like that, right I mean it's it's hard enough to get older population moving and active in a very physical way right to build actual strength and conditioning, but then to actually come into contact close contact, very intimate contact with people that fighting requires. It takes a different, a completely different mindset, and that's what I'm trying to get at, right? That's a very uncommon mindset in general at any age, and certainly it's it's certainly rare in older women.
1: Yes, it is. I can't tell you why I'm like that. I'm just, uh, I just think <laughs> now that I've gotten three years into this, I realize I needed some more. I needed to build up some muscle, some so I've started taking a Baja Fit class twice a week. Also, where the professor just tries to kill you for an hour, and that's really helped me. It's helped my strength, my balance, you know, um, leg strength, arm strength, core strength. It's a hard class, but it's worth it. So I'm in the gym about four days a week usually.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So four days a week sounds like a couple days of really intense conditioning, and probably a couple of days of You had mentioned you're going to go in, you're going to do this pretty intense warm up uh, piece, and then you're going to actually get in and and fight. So, talk to us a little bit about the community aspect of jujitsu, because I would imagine that you're in, you know, anytime. People do intense things together. They typically tend to bond. I'm thinking, you know, the kind of the Orange Theory Boot Camp, CrossFit type. They're very close-knit communities, and that's a part of the appeal of those things. Is that a part of the jujitsu for you, that intense community?
1: You know, I wasn't expecting it, but it really, really is. We have a great gym. My professors are wonderful. The kids, the teenage boys have been really good for me. They fight very hard. They're they're closer to my size, or at least they were when they were a little younger. Now they're getting bigger. But they, they fight very hard with me. And yet, if I get in a position, I'll say, why did I do that? They'll say, okay, you need to back up and this is what you should have done. So they'll teach me also, which is really helpful. And there are girls, of course, in the gym that I've become close friends with. I've really enjoyed. Most everybody is bigger than me. And I'm surprised at how... The man, if I'm fighting some guy who's 200 pounds, he's mainly going to defend until he gets tired of me, and then he'll flip me over.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, but that that would allow you to practice certainly technique and whatnot, right?
1: right.
0: And how would you say that jujitsu has affected or impacted other areas of your life outside of the gym?
1: Well, for one thing, they teach a lot of self defense in jujitsu. It gives you a little more confidence that you're not going to panic in a serious situation if you've get, gotten attacked or something like that. You can keep your brain sort of working because you've got a few things in your arsenal that you can work you know work to get away from the situation or, or stop the situation. So I think that really mentally has helped me a lot, because I'm very little. I'm, I'm not a big person, and I think that really that, that's probably one of the biggest. The biggest things besides just the whole my whole gym my professors are quite religious as am I so that also adds that that to it also for me that I know they're going to run a really tight gym he doesn't let any bad language or bad attitude in that gym you know they would be asked to leave if they did so I don't have to worry about any of the guys being disrespectful they just don't do it they're wonderful
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And that uh, obviously that goes back to the community aspect, right? It sounds like your owner or professor runs a tight ship there and disrespect is just not going to be tolerated. I love that. So you talked about the act of doing jujitsu. Obviously that would give you a little more confidence and self-assurance in in terms of should anything horrible happen, at least you've got some tools in the toolbox and perhaps as opposed to panic, you might have a a different response. Are there other areas? I mean, I, I would imagine that kind of Doing something that difficult and that challenging might carry over into other areas of your life as well. Just being capable, confident, does that help you? And I mean, certainly I would think that being getting in that kind of shape would transfer over to, say, horseback riding or anything that you wanted to do, right?
1: Well, it certainly does with working around the farm some. But it's also had an added advantage for me with my grandkids. I've taught them a little self-defense some boxing, some things like that, which they think are really cool. And I, I'm glad to pass on that information. And also to some of my friends, we had a, a riding uh, event where we all went out uh, camping and riding. And I, we had a class one night where I was saying, okay, this is how you make a fist. Half of them didn't know. Self-defense things you might be able to do. So that was really helpful too, that I felt like I might be able to help friends as well as, as my grandchildren
0: too. That's, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So I want to go back to the workouts for a minute. Cause we, you talked about doing some pretty intense conditioning two days a week. In addition to two very intense jujitsu, judo classes with all of that, plus your very active life on a farm with the horses, what do you do to recover, to stay in shape, to be able to continue to have this kind of a workload put on your body?
1: You know, we have guys in that gym or, and probably girls, too, that go six and seven days a week. I can't do that. I have got to have some days to recover because I, I, I in the end of the class, I'm going, I can't move. <laughs> I am so tired and everything's sore. My back is, is tight and uh, so I need those, you know, maybe Friday, Saturday and Sunday or whatever days it falls in that I can take a breath and, and just relax a little at home, play with my dog, <laughs> watch TV if, I, if there's happens to be anything on. I don't watch much TV, but we certainly relax at night. We go to bed early. <laughs> but I, I really, because of my age, I can tell that I just, I need a little more recovery time. And, and I see a chiropractor pretty regularly. Uh, massage therapist when my back is killing me, <laughs> that sort of thing. I don't take too many drugs, things like that. I try to handle it naturally if I can.
0: Okay, so for recovery, it sounds like mostly just paying attention to your body, listening to your body, respecting and honoring when you need some downtime. You take it, you're not pushing that envelope. It sounds like you understand what that is for you. What about injury? It sounds like between, and certainly. I know that working on a farm, can. There's, it's not difficult to be injured there or working around horses. And certainly in, in judo, have you found that you're dealing with injury or have you dealt with injury?
1: It's funny. Most of the injuries that have kept me off the mat have happened on my farm. I stepped in a hole and tore my ankle, you know, which is still aggravating me some. I did get kicked in judo. Actually, the girl was blocking a kick that I was trying to, kick her. And I had a really big hematoma come up on my leg that had to be surgically removed. It was huge. And I had a competition. I said, I can't wait for it to dissolve because it wasn't going to. So they went in and just cut it out (laughs) so I could compete. But I I haven't been injured over much in, in class. It's mainly been on the farm if I'm showing gravel, if I'm doing just stuff.
0: Right. Yeah and I think that's I think people listening to this might be surprised that you're out there in this very physical sport that you participate in regularly and compete in and you're saying that it's safe and enjoyable.
1: Oh gosh yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what I thought. All right, well let's segue a little bit and talk about this kind of goes along with the recovery. What does your diet look like? You had mentioned as a a kid, you kind of had that good nutritional background, eating whole foods, meals together as a family, et cetera. What does your diet look like these days?
1: Well, my husband and I have pretty well set into eating two two meals a day, breakfast and an early dinner. If I feel like I need something before I go to bed, I may take a tablespoon of peanut butter or something like that so my blood sugar is not dropping down. It's hard to stay around, away from the cookies and sweets. I can tell when my weight starts to creep up, eh, laying need the back. And I try not to, to eat too much bread. I stay away from the breads, carbs if I can, because that definitely puts on weight at my age. <laughs> Even as much activity as I get. I would like to be a few pounds lighter than I am, but, it, eh, you know.
0: So what I hear there is you're kind of eating what you want. Is that fair? And just kind of... Again, paying attention to your body and eating as much as you need, but not more?
1: I I, I follow a sort of a keto diet of sorts just because I like the vegetables and meats. You know, salads. We always eat salads at night and try to avoid breads and sweets, which is more or less what keto is. But And it certainly helps me maintain a halfway decent weight.
0: Yeah. So what I hear in there is healthy whole foods, right? Meat and vegetables. That's certainly can't go, can't go wrong there. Avoid some of that processed carbs. That's, you know, the sugar, the, the bread, <laughs> that's not, that's not well, going to help. I, at all.
1: I take uh, amino acids and, you know, fish oils and varying things like that, that, that help also. Okay.
0: Uh, any protein supplements? Are you doing like whey or any kind of protein shakes?
1: No, i probably eat a good bit of protein.
0: I like meat. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so you're getting that through your diet, which is obviously the best way to get your nutrients is through whole foods as opposed to supplements, so that's fantastic. Well, Elaine, let's see. So you've you've been fighting for three years, and while my audience can't see you, I can see you're lit up, you're vibrant, you're obviously very passionate about this. How long are you going to keep fighting? As long as
1: I can absolutely is. My professor said I should have my black belt by the time I'm 80. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I'll make it there, but you know, I'm going to try. I I don't want to give up easy. I like it too much. I'm having too much fun. It is fun. Even when I'm tired and sore and discouraged because I'm not learning as much as I'd like to, it's still fun. It's fun. It's a good reason to get up and go to the gym.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what keeps you motivated to go in and do this, what people from the outside would consider very hard work, very something very difficult?
1: I, I don't quite know how to answer that. I I don't want to give up, for one thing. I'm one of those people that I just don't want to say that I quit. I, I just can't quit. You know, every my professor would be disappointed, my friends up there. I just, I can't do that. It's just part of my personality, I guess, <laughs> you know. The challenge is still there, and it's quite a challenge. It's good for my brain, too, because you, there's so many things you have to learn. And I want to stay healthy in my brain as well as my, from the neck down, from the neck up also. And I think that jujitsu really its You have to learn a lot of stuff, remember a lot of stuff. And that's really good uh, mentally for me. So that, that's another reason being, staying healthy and active is important for me.
0: I agree hundred percent. Yes. Staying healthy and active is absolutely vital for all of us as we age. You had mentioned the kind of the mental side of that and the mental acuity and staying sharp. Well, pick that apart a little bit. What You had mentioned that you're, you're learning new things, but what is keeping you mentally engaged in jujitsu for folks who you know might think that, well, that's just wrestling, right? What, what sort of mental activity is going on there? Talk to us a little bit about that mental side of jujitsu.
1: Every class they teach three or four different moves. They're either offensive or defensive. And when you're playing, when you're uh, fighting in jiu-jitsu, you're doing both. You have to be de- uh, on an offense and a defense too. You got to attack as well as defend. That's a lot of thinking. It's like a chess game. I'm not real good at chess, but I'm getting better at it. So I can think a little bit ahead as to what I need to do to do. And I'm not just trying to survive, <laughs> which is
0: a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that that might surprise some people that there is, and I've heard that analogy that martial arts has got a very it's like a physical game of chess that you're you're both attacking and defending, and you're in a very fluid situation. Right? No two fights are going to be the same. No two opponents are going to even if they have a similar style. The certainly the the fighting is going to be different every time. So, yeah, that's interesting. And what is, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? Do you have competitions coming up?
1: Well, I hope that I can get back to the Pan-American Games and the World Games. It depends on where they are. If they're out in California, I probably won't be able to fly. I haven't taken any shots. I, I have an EpiPen because I'm allergic to some bees and things like that. And they said if you have an EpiPen, you probably shouldn't take any of the COVID shots. So I don't I have no idea how this is going to run. We'd probably have to drive, and so far they've been down in Florida, so that's okay. We can drive down there. That's, I live in Alabama, so I just don't want to go all the way out to the California in a, in a car with my husband. I'm cheating.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: like <laughs> all
0: right, so but it's fair to say that that you want to compete and you want to compete on a on a national level, right?
1: Sure, I signed up for both a New Orleans and a Memphis competition, but there was nobody in my class or even the class below or the class below. So I had to drop out because there was just there was nobody there for me to fight, which is very disappointing because that's pretty close to my home, and I would like to have gone and you know and competed, but I just didn't get a chance to. I've got to encourage these girls to hang in there.
0: Yes, yes, you do. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that a very, very small percentage of the people listening to this are women over 50, let alone over 60 or over 70 who fight in some martial arts. I, there are some, but there, it's a small, small percentage. What would you say to somebody listening to this? And let's just say it's a woman and she's maybe in her sixties. And she's listening to this, and it, there's just something in there that's pulling her or calling to her. What advice would you have for somebody to get started?
1: In my gym, and I don't know if other gyms do this, but they give you a week free. so you can come and try out, try it out for as many days as you want in that week. And I think that's really quite a draw because then if you go once or twice and go, "This just isn't for me," okay." But then you might go and go, "You know, this is actually fun." And it does depend on the gym, too. I mean, I, I do have a really, really good gym. But I think a lot of the Baja Fit, I mean, you know, B- Gracie Baja gyms are really good around the country. So they just need to give it a try. Just try it. And they might like it.
0: Just try it. Yeah. And what advice would you have for somebody who says, yeah, but I'm I'm really apprehensive or nervous about that kind of physical contact? How would you help somebody get over that? that hurdle. So, well, yeah, that sounds, you know, in theory, that sounds great, but I'm really nervous about grappling with another human being.
1: You know, I found if there are people in the gym who that's the least favorite part of the class is the actual grappling at the end, they probably are not going to stay with it. You've got to love that. Quite frankly, you got to love it or else that's not going to be something you're going to stay with because that's really what it's about. It's, it's, it's actually fighting. And if you find that that is just too nerve wracking for you, why would you do something that's not comfortable? Do you know, do you know what I want to say? I,
0: I do, but I'm still marveling at the fact that you just walked into a gym without a care in the world and said, I want to, I want to do this. I want to fight. You're 20, 30, 40 years older, the next oldest person. And you just said, bring it on. I, I want to wrestle somebody. So that's something that's innate and just in you. And so, as you're speaking to to people, because what I'm trying to think of is how you know this could be an avenue for somebody to. It could be there a springboard for them to being much more active and, and engaging in a community and enjoying themselves. But to your point, it sounds like it's not for everybody, right? You're you're not trying to convince everybody because, frankly, that's just not going to appeal to everybody. But if it's if it's something you think. If you just have an idea that maybe that might be cool, go do a free week. Is that right?
1: What I want them to think of is that you're not too old. You're not too old. It's not too late. You need to, to give it a try. If you think you'll like it, because I get a lot of, of feedback from people who are in their 40s or, or older and say, I thought I was too old till I saw you do it. Then I decided, well, maybe I'm not too old. So that really is probably the biggest message. It's It's not too late. It's never too late to try
0: something new. You're not too old and it's never too late. Yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely love that. All right. And (laughs) I'm just laughing because that's, I, I love that message. And clearly you're living that, right? You're the living embodiment of it's not too old and it's never too late. You're really enjoying this, what I would consider an unusual sport for a 72 year old woman. It just is. But you're out there, you're kicking ass, you're enjoying life. I love it. All right. So Elaine, where would you like people to connect with you? What's the best way? Is Instagram the best?
1: Instagram would be the best. It would. Because a lot of my, my stuff, both some horses and my, mainly my jujitsu stuff is on, and judo is on Instagram. Okay. I don't know what Instagram was. My professor told me to get an Instagram account and I went, what is that? So I went to my granddaughter. And she set it up for me, and she named me Jiu-Jitsu grandma so that's how it started with with my granddaughter naming me and now a lot of people know it
0: a lot of people know it yeah so talk talk a little bit about the rise of the success you've had because you've had a lot of followers I mean you you are making an impact people are are paying attention to this talk a little bit about the rise of that account I mean when you started obviously you had zero followers and you had to kind of figure out how to how to post and what all that was talk about that rise up until now.
1: You know, it really started kicking in when I got to the world masters. And I think that really started, uh, I had a thousand followers, you know, in, in a week because of the world, world masters. And they're looking at this little white headed girl and go, whoa, what is she doing? So that really started it off. And I do a lot of videoing in class and in competition too. And I, I've been, quite frankly, amazed at why people would even care. I mean, I'm a little old lady. Why? Why is that interesting? You know. But I get messages from people literally all over the world.
0: It's not surprising to me. I mean, you had mentioned early on in that story. You said I'm just. I can't imagine why anybody would want to follow me on Instagram. Just this little old lady that happens to do jujitsu at a world masters level. Yeah, it's not surprising to me. So. In terms of your followers, do you have any idea? Are these other older women mostly, younger people? Do you, do you kind of know what types of people are following you?
1: It seems to, to be pretty much everybody. I get teenagers. I get women. I get guys. I, it's amazing. It's quite a wide range, which is also a surprise to me. Why a, a black belt or something would be interested in a little blue belt that doesn't know much.
0: I'm participating in a sport I'm not even good at. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so. I'm not so sure I'm buying the not not good at. It sounds like you're working hard at it, and that you're you're accomplished at it. And to your point, you're amazing whenever you step out onto that mat. I think that's a fair way of saying that. Well, Elaine, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show today and talking to us about your story. You are an inspiration, and you're a fantastic ambassador for Healthy Aging, and I certainly wish you all the best in all your future endeavors.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin, for asking me. It was I enjoyed it very much.
0: Well, that's all for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. And please consider giving me a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, stay strong.